If you're enjoying this Med Prep to Go Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Crush Step 1 podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Ted O'Connell with the Med Prep to Go podcast. Today, we'll be reviewing three anatomy questions. Just a reminder that you can find these questions as well as many more on our website at medpreptogo.com. If you'd like to get involved with this project, feel free to reach out to us through the website, or you can reach me directly at ted.medpreptogo at gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, please give us a review and tell your friends about this project. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as these all will help our progress very much. If you're interested in learning more about me and my books and projects, you can find that at tedxoconnell.com. All right, let's get started with the first question. A 46-year-old man presents to the emergency department for a complaint of dyspnea on exertion for the past six days. He reports feeling pressure on his chest and a feeling of lightheadedness, which began two hours ago while he was walking. He has a past medical history of hypertension, which is managed with lisinopril. He has a 20-pack year smoking history. Family history is unremarkable. Vital signs reveal bradycardia with a normal blood pressure. Physical examination reveals bradycardia, but is otherwise unremarkable. An electrocardiogram reveals evidence of inferior wall ischemia, and bradycardia indicating dysfunction of the sinoatrial node. An occlusion of which of the following blood vessels is most likely responsible for his current condition? A. Left anterior descending artery. B. Left coronary artery. C. Posterior descending artery. D. Right coronary artery. Or E. Superior vena cava. The correct answer is D, right coronary artery. The right coronary artery supplies the sinoatrial, or SA node, and the atrioventricular, or AV node. Occlusion of this vessel can lead to bradyarrhythmias and tachyarrhythmias and can result in heart block and hypotension if damaged. Answer choices A, left anterior descending artery, B, left coronary artery, 
and C, posterior descending artery, are incorrect. While occlusion of these vessels is likely to lead to necrosis and heart damage, they are less likely to affect the pacemaker cells. Answer choice E, superior vena cava, is incorrect. Occlusion of the superior vena cava would lead to superior vena cava syndrome, which results in edema in the neck, chest, and face, and also results in pain. The key learning point for this question, the right coronary artery supplies the SA and AV nodes. Question 2. An 18-year-old girl presents to the emergency department with a nosebleed that has persisted for the last two hours despite her attempts to pinch the nose and apply cold compresses. She also reports an episode of bloody emesis. She reports having multiple nosebleeds a day for the last week. Past medical history is unremarkable. She denies cocaine use. Vital signs are within normal limits. On physical examination, she appears pale. An anterior nasal packing is, is placed, but the bleeding persists. Which of the following is the most likely source of this patient's bleeding? A. Anterior ethmoid artery. B. Greater palatine artery. C. Lesser palatine artery. D. Posterior ethmoid artery. Or E. Sphenopalatine artery. The correct answer is E. Sphenopalatine artery. Epistaxis is classified as anterior or posterior depending on the source of bleeding. Anterior bleeds account for the vast majority of nosebleeds, and most occur within the vascular watershed area of the nasal septum known as Kieselbox plexus. The septal branch of the anterior ethmoidal artery, the lateral nasal branch of the sphenopalatine artery, and the septal branch of the superior labial branch of the facial artery anastomose in this area. Severe epistaxis with associated hematemesis suggests a posterior bleed, most commonly the sphenopalatine artery, the terminal branch of the maxillary artery. Initial management includes tilting the head forward and pinching the nose. Posterior packing and topical phenylephrine may also help with bleeding. In severe cases refractory to all treatment, endoscopic ligation of the sphenopalatine artery is recommended. The key learning point of this question? Severe epistaxis most commonly originates from the sphenopalatine artery, representing a posterior bleed. And the third and last question for this episode. A 62-year-old woman presents to the physician complaining of bilateral wrist pain and weakness, which has been gradually progressing over the past two months. She works as a concert pianist. Physical examination reveals positive Phelan and Tunnel maneuvers. Manual compression of the carpal tunnel also reproduces the symptoms. Wasting of the thenar eminence is noted bilaterally. Nerve conduction testing confirms compression of the median nerve bilaterally. She elects surgical intervention to relieve her symptoms. 
Which of the following structures is targeted by the planned surgical intervention? A. Annular ligament of the radius. B. Extensor retinaculum. C. Flexor retinaculum. D. Interosseous membrane of the forearm. Or E. Ulnar collateral ligament of the thumb. The correct answer is C. Flexor retinaculum. Carpal tunnel syndrome results from compression of the median nerve as it travels through the carpal tunnel. It results in pain and paresthesias and sometimes weakness in the distribution of the median nerve, the first three digits and the lateral half of the fourth digit of the hand. The flexor retinaculum covers the carpal bones and encloses the median nerve in the carpal tunnel. Carpal tunnel release surgery generally includes an incision into this ligament. Answer choice A, annular ligament of the radius, is incorrect. The annular ligament encircles the head of the radius and stabilizes it in contact with the radial notch of the ulna. Answer choice B, extensor retinaculum, is incorrect. The extensor retinaculum is the anatomical term for the thickened part of the antibrachial fascia that holds the tendons of the extensor muscles on the dorsal forearm. Answer choice D, interosseous membrane of the forearm, is incorrect. The interosseous membrane of the forearm is a dense, fibrous sheet of connective tissue between the radius and ulna. Answer choice E, ulnar collateral ligament, is incorrect. The ulnar collateral ligament of the thumb is one of two main supporting ligaments traversing the metacarpophalangeal joint of the thumb. The other is a radial collateral ligament. These ligaments provide static stability to the thumb. The ulnar collateral ligament is most typically injured as a result of forced abduction of the thumb. The key learning point of this question. Carpal tunnel syndrome results from compression of the median nerve as it travels through the carpal tunnel under the flexor retinaculum. The flexor retinaculum can be surgically released to treat carpal tunnel syndrome. All right, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to check out our other episodes wherever you like to get your podcasts. And you can also find these questions and many more at medpreptogo.com. And just a reminder as above, if you want to get involved in this project and help develop questions for this free online and audio question bank, don't forget to email me at ted.medpreptogo at gmail.com. And we'll see you with the next episode.